0: Welcome to the Sunny Hill podcast. This message was recorded at our Ferndown campus. For more information about service times and locations, please visit sunnyhill.church. Um, yeah, so we are really made up about January, about uh, the launch of this great church, uh, Sunny Hill, Ferndown here at the Barrington. We're so, so excited about uh, what God's got planned for this. We know he's got planned. He's, he's done so much to show us. he's done so, There's so many things just fallen into place over the last year and a half since uh, we've been planning this, and we can't wait for it to uh, kind of get here and start to invite people weekly, 10.30, Sunday mornings. Uh, we're going to put a big banner outside our house showing people that as well. So we've been, over the last few months since May, we've been doing these pre-launch services. We've been in this series, uh, Think Again, and uh, the idea being that if we can change the way that we think, then we can change our lives. And in fact, you can't really change your life without first changing your thoughts. So if we can uh, somehow uh, change the way we think, we know that there's great, great power in that. Our key verse for the whole of this uh, pre-launch um, era has been Romans uh, 12 verse 1, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You renew your mind, transformation happens. And if you do renew your mind, transformation happens kind of automatically. If you want to change habits, you want to change lifestyle, if you want to change your destiny, you just need to change the way you think. So in previous message, we've looked at uh, preconceived notions about the church, what people's idea of what church should be and what church is, And we said, no, 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 think again. Think again about that because actually uh, church can be something different to how you imagine. It can be full of life. It can be amazing. And we've looked at uh, how we can think bigger, how God's got big plans. We've looked at our future and our destiny and God's plans for our destiny as individuals and as a church as well. Today, I'm looking at think again about living for number one. And it's uh, kind of a bit of a catch-all. I kind of want us to, to finish this series on thinking about how we can live the greatest life possible. How we can live the greatest life possible. What adjustments do we need to make in our thinking to enable that to happen? What things do we need to start doing? And what things do we need to uh, stop doing? What things do we need to let go of? Uh, Dom this morning, in, in a great message, uh, talked about how... Actually, if we are a generation going after the next, then there's certain things that we have to let go of. And I want to explore that today. What do we need to let go of and what do we need to embrace? Jesus had so much to say about um, about the way we live our life. And for those first century, the crowd and the disciples who were listening to Jesus, um, what he had to say really challenged their thinking. It challenged the status quo massively. It totally made them think again. And I think as we explore what Jesus says, it makes us think again too. So one of the things that Jesus said about life went like this in Matthew 10 verse 39. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to it if you like, but it will be up on the screen. It says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. It's a little bit weird that, right? It's a bit paradoxical in order to find something you've got to first lose it what on earth does that mean is it wisdom or is it just clever sounding mumbo jumbo I don't think so this was so important to the message of Jesus that he said it again later on Matthew records it in Matthew 16 he says whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? So there's a little bit more explanation there. If you live just for yourself, you're gonna miss it. You're gonna miss life. If you go searching for life, but you go for looking, you know, looking for number one, looking out for number one, actually you're gonna miss life entirely. As if that's not enough in Matthew, it's actually recorded in all, th- in all four Gospels. So I'm just going to quickly put them up because there's slightly different wording in each one. So in Mark it says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the Gospel will save it. In Luke, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. And in John, whoever loves their life will lose it. Or anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So what does this actually mean? I want to unpack this a little bit today. How do we lose our life in order to find it, in order to save it? Well, in order to have the best life possible, the world and the media and television will tell us that the best life is when you look out for number one, i.e. yourself. Whereas Jesus tells us our best life Is that when we live for the one when we live for the one that's God the one who's above everything else and for the one who uh, is everybody else not yourself when you start to live for him and for others that's when you find your life that's when you live your best life is anybody here interested in having the best life possible yeah that's good okay you're in the right place Uh, So we're going to explore a little bit more about what Jesus taught about this. So the world would have us believe that we look out for number one and, uh, and tells us what it would take to have the best life. And actually, it's not all that different to the world in which Jesus lived in, in first century Palestine. And I think it really comes down to three things. The world tells us that in order to live the best life possible, it comes down to money, it comes down to image, And it comes down to power. Money, image, and power. We're told that the more money we have, the better life we get. You only have to watch programs like The Apprentice to see this kind of played out. And if we're honest, we all often, we think that way, right? We think, if I could just have a little bit more money, then everything would work out. Does anybody else think like that, or is it just me? No, we do. Just a little bit more money would help me live out a better life. We don't often say it like that. We don't often say, "I need more money." We try and couch it maybe a little bit more subtly. We say, uh, we say, we say a little bit more worthy. We say, if I had more money, I would perhaps be a little bit more generous. If I won the lottery, I would give half of it. I would give fifty percent away to charity. God, are you listening? If I won the lottery, I would give half of it away to Battersea Dogs Home. Yeah. No, no, Dom wouldn't. Um, after I paid my mortgage and my credit card bills, obviously, I just—I can't afford to be generous right now. But if I had a little bit more, listen, I'm not judging you guys. I'm just telling you how I think sometimes, and how I think how we all think. And the world also encourages us to uh, think that in order to have a better life, we need to have a better image. Like this, this cream will make me look ten years younger. Yeah, we all like that, don't we? A little bit of cream to take away the wrinkles. Uh, No, I need that. Or if I wear this label, if I wear this deodorant, then the girls are gonna be throwing themselves at me. We've seen those adverts. Who's wearing links today? Yeah, a few of us, yay, we all know how that works. Um, Actually, talking about that, um, my wife Fru has got this perfume and it's her birthday coming up uh, next month and I said to her, uh, darling, what would you like for your birthday? And she says, oh, my perfume's getting to the bottom of the bottle. I've only got a little bit left, and I'd like, to have, I'd like to have it replaced, please. And I go, yeah, sure. Now, my wife, Fru, is amazing. When it comes to money, she's definitely the careful one in our marriage. She hates shopping. <laughs> How good is that? She only ever buys bargains. Um, uh, she even, get this, she manages... Uh, soap dispensers. You know the soap dispensers where you push the top and get, get a little bit of soap out? Well, what happens in your house when you get to the last, the last little bit that doesn't come through the squidgy thing? Why well, don't you throw it away, I'm sure. Not my wife. She opens it up, puts a bit of water in there, shakes it a little bit, and puts it back. And so when you squirt it, you know, it comes out quite a lot of water, a little bit of soap. And then when that gets down again, she opens it up again bit more water, shakes it. She's so, so careful. Uh, So by the time you get to the, I don't know, three or four weeks into that, you're just washing your hand with water from the tap and water from the soap dispenser. uh, And then we decide to get a little bit more. I don't mind. I don't mind. I really don't because I, I, I really appreciate the way that she looks after our money. But she asked for this perfume. And because she's so careful with money, when she asks for something, I want to get it for her, Right. You understand that i want to get what she wants so i i find her perfume and i take a picture of what it is and i go online to look for it to replace it 130 pounds really this is for a little bit of smelly water which gave me an idea yeah A little bit of water. I go. There's a little bit left in the bottom. I just bit a bit of water, bit of. No, I wouldn't do that. That would be. What kind of husband do you think I am? I went on eBay and I found a half-used one, a fraction of the price. Don't tell her. It's a surprise. But we do. We get caught up in adverts for things that make our image, like make us smell nice or make us look better or make us you know, dress nice. And we get caught up. And companies use celebrities to make us feel like their products would, would make us like them. And we buy it hook, line and sinker. So we're told that we need to have money, we need to have image, and then we need to have power and influence. How many self-help books have been written about this? Climbing the greasy ladder in business. How to win, win, win. Making sure that we're ahead of everyone else on the top of the pile. You know what? None of this is new. None of it is new. It's since the beginning of time. You see it all the way through the Bible. This has been the case. Wars have been fought about power. Atrocities have been committed. Genocide has been committed in the pursuit of power. Relationships have been broken. Families have been ruined Lives are destroyed as people try and get more and more power. So, what's the answer? We're going to look at a time when Jesus actually came face to face um, with these very things. Uh, Somebody asked him about getting a better life. Actually, they were asking about eternal life. And he puts the whole idea of, of letting go of your life into practice. Interestingly, the heading for this passage in some translations is Jesus and the rich young ruler have you thought about that rich money young image ruler power all three things kind of in this in this one person rich young ruler so this is the guy who's got everything he's got it all he's got money he's got image he's got power this is a modern day David Beckham okay all the girls fancy him (laughs) really who is Yay! <laughs> and the guys want to be him. What's not to like, right? Surely Jesus is going to be made up about having this rich, young ruler join his band of merry men. So we're going to go to Luke 18 and we're going to read it uh, from there. So let's, let's go there. Luke 18 from verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Well, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we had to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brother or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. I wondered if you would respond to that. You see, because in the church world, particularly in the traditional church world, when you say this is the word of the Lord, they respond with... Thanks be to God. Thank you. Somebody knows it. Thanks be to God. And there's all sorts of phrases that people might respond uh, with when you say something. So, for example, if I say, and all the people, all God's people said, you'll say, Amen. Great. And there's another thing. uh, uh, They say, God is good all the time. Hey, you've passed. That's it. You can come back anytime. That's brilliant. So, there's these phrases that people say. And there was a point at which this man called him good teacher and he says to him why do you call me good no one is good except God alone why do you and what he's in fact saying there is why do you call me God if you called me God and you really meant it then actually you would live your life different Uh, Simon could we have the next screen mate so, well, there's four keys that I want to unlock today about living the best life possible. And the first thing I want to say is, is God really God? Is God really God in your life? And if he is, what does that mean for us? How do we show that? How do we put that into practice? C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, makes a great statement And I'm just going to read a portion of it here. He says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. And they say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. And in fact, that is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg that God is God and that Jesus is God, then our thinking and therefore our lives should definitely change. What do we do then with the, the habits and the choices that we make that actually imply that he's not God? What do we do with the, the fear and the worry that we live to day to day that sometimes cripples us? What do we do with the gossip that we sometimes like to engage in? Or with the bad stuff that we are willing to to fill our minds with? Who do we really rely on when the chips are down? A number of years ago, uh, Fru and I came to a decision in our own life uh, about this, regarding our own relationship to to money. In the Bible, God has many names, and one of them is uh, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah, Jireh, would actually just translate as God is my provider. And we were living at that time in such a way where we would say that, but actually we weren't really living like it was true, like God was our provider. And there was, you know, we would worry a lot about our finances, about where the next paycheck was coming from. I was self-employed at the time. We would get into debt consistently. And I lived my life trying to get that, that big break that was going to make me rich. And then it got to the point where as if God was saying to me, why do you call me God? Why do you call me good? Why do you call me God? Why do you call me provider? And then trust the world around you to provide you with what you need. And it was a huge turning point in my own thinking in the way that we lived our life. and we decided to live our life as if it was true that God and God alone was our provider. And we've been walking that out ever since. We Most of the time we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. For me, that manifests in various ways. Uh, so I... And I'm not saying this is the right way to live, but this is what I decided to do. I decided to not ever enter competitions because I want God alone to be my provider. Um, I never do the lottery. I even... Uh, Got rid of the premium bonds that I had because I decided actually all I do every month is spend the time looking up my numbers to see if, I've, see if there's any uh, kind of uh, winnings there. And, and I wanted God to know that he was first. Sometimes maybe I take it too far. A couple of weeks back, I was in the range and I was buying a few bits and pieces and I had to buy a new uh, shower basket. Uh, for our our shower basket had broken and he did a new one so I went there was a few other bits and pieces as well so I went to the till and I paid for all the stuff and as I was paying I didn't really clock what was going on and um, and then I got home and um, a few hours later and I found the receipt and I realized actually they hadn't charged me for the shower basket and my first thought was God thank you for my free shower basket it was the most expensive thing I bought and I was thinking God that's brilliant what a great gift I've got a free shower basket and then that small voice in the back of my head that I get all the time. And I, it's always God. And he says, is the range your provider or am I your provider? And I go, oh, really? What are you saying, God? I've got to go back? I've put it up now on the wall. Really got to, I'm, not, I'm not going to take it down. I'll tell you what I'll do, God. I'll go there and I will, I'll go and find the same item and I'll buy it and then I'll sneak it back and put it back. So everybody's, everybody's happy. Then I haven't got to go to the till and, and just... They're going to just think I'm stupid if I do that. So I went there. They didn't have any of these baskets in stock. But there was another basket there that was a couple of pounds cheaper. I thought, oh, that'll kind of do. Is the range your provider or am I your provider? Oh, no. So in the end, I went to the till and I got the receipt. and said, I went to the customer services and said, look... This is gonna sound really odd. I was in like four days ago, and I bought, I bought some bits and pieces. You can see, here's Maurice Seat. I also bought a shower basket, and it was 17.99, but it, it didn't ring through on the till, and, and I, I've come back to pay for it. <laughs> the guy just looked at me, said, sorry, you want a refund on it? I said, no, 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 I don't need a refund. I want to pay you, you didn't charge me for it, and I've come to pay you. He said, You've come to pay us because we didn't. It's just four days ago. I said, Yes, yeah, I've come to pay you. And he says, Oh, you've got a guilty conscience of you. I said, No, I don't feel guilty, it was your mistake. I just, I just, I've got this thing at home and I really should have paid for it. And so here it is. I'm from the I Said, okay. How much was it? And it was $17.99. So he, he, he helped me, and we, we paid $17.99, and I walked away. And you may, think, you may be thinking, that is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But for me, this is, this is uh, important. And maybe, you know, who knows? it. Maybe it was a witness to the guy. That's what I tell myself. I don't think so. I just think he thought I was a nutter. But you know what? It helps me in my head get that right. I've got that relationship with God where he alone is my provider. It's important. And you know what? If God is God then our lives should be different. Even in that respect, whether it's finances or whatever it is in life, it should be different. And uh, we need to perhaps change our thinking to see fruit in that area. Okay, the second thing that I want us to challenge on today is what's your one thing? So the man says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. First off, notice that Jesus does not pick him up on what he says. There were 613 commandments in the Old Old Testament. No one kept them all. Okay, there was a whole sacrifice system that was ongoing because nobody could keep all the commandments. It just wasn't Possible. The reason Jesus came and established a new covenant was because the old covenant was deeply flawed in that it had to be kept by human beings and we just couldn't do it. The writer to the Hebrews says this if, if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. So here's this rich young ruler, this guy, this young guy saying, Yep, I've got this nailed. I have kept all these commandments since I was a boy. And Jesus responds, you lack one thing. That's not the right response. The correct response is either awesome, amazing, you've kept all the commandments. Come and join us. You're just who we've been looking for. Or the response is, no, no, no. No, you haven't. What about yes this morning when, when you dissed your mom? You weren't respectful to your mother? Or what about what about yesterday when you were lying? Or last week when you stole a pencil from the office? You haven't kept all the commandments. That's the right response. But no, Jesus says, no, you just lack one thing. You know what? I think this is probably true for all of us. There's one thing that is stopping us moving to the next level. If this is God's level, if this is Jesus was, on a kind of a, was God and he was on a level with God, he kept all the commandments, he would live that perfect life, this is us here at some point below that. What God wants us to do is to be heading in the right direction, okay, to take that next step that will move us that little bit closer to God. What is that one thing? And I bet you're thinking of it right now. I bet you know what it is. What is that one thing that you could change that would move you that closer uh, to God? This one thing that's keeping you from your best, best life. It doesn't seem like too much, does it, one thing? But it is massive. In many ways, we find it easier to tell God we're giving him everything. We sing, I surrender all. Everything, God, I give to you. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. He says, there's just one thing. Stop telling me you're giving me everything. And actually, let go or give me this one thing. This one thing. What's God whispering to you right now? If you want to get to the next level with me, he's saying... You know that relationship at the office? You know those guys you're hanging out with at school that you know actually not the best influence? You know that time you spend on, on Fortnite or on Netflix or on social media? You know your prayer life hasn't been what it could be? You know your identity you've built around your work or your business? You know, the time you spend on your image or your thoughts about your weight or your relationship to food or drinks. What if It could be your family even. Imagine Jesus is standing here right now and he walks over to you, looks you in the eye and says, do you want to take your relationship with me to the next level? You lack one thing. There's one thing that will help you to do that. If you want to be my disciple, you can deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Let go today of one thing. Okay, the third thing. Think again. It's not about you. So Jesus says, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Now, if that sounds mad to us now, in the first century, this was utterly ridiculous. It went against everything that they knew. It went against everything. Who then, they said, can be saved? Because the general, general thinking of the day was that riches and wealth was actually a sign that God had blessed you, that you were actually in a good place with God. If you had riches and had wealth, then he was your mate. You were, you were doing something right because riches came from God. If you had money, you were blessed and you were favored. Having money also meant that you could go to the temple, you can afford the best sacrifices, which meant that you, know, you, for, you had the forgiveness of your sins because you were sacrificing the more expensive animals, you were doing everything right, whereas if you were poor, you couldn't afford to do that quite so much. And so for them to hear that it was hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, well, if the rich can't enter, then how is any of us going to make it? Jesus turns it upside down. It would be, I was trying to think of a current current analogy for this. And I was thinking it would be good like Rolex. You know, the company who make posh watches. If they were to say, okay, from now on, rich people aren't allowed to buy our watches. Well, if rich people can't buy the watch and poor people can't afford it, then nobody's going to own a Rolex. It would be a ridiculous business strategy. And that's what this is like. It seems like a ridiculous kingdom principle. If a rich person can't get to heaven, then surely no one can. Now Jesus' analogy here as well, he talks about a camel and the eye of the needle. And people throughout history have tried to change this. They say, oh, the word camel is actually similar to the word for rope. And so actually it's, it's trying to get a rope through the eye of a needle, Or they say things like, um, the eye of the needle was actually a doorway into Jerusalem. It was a small door. So uh, in order to get through, a camel had to go on its knees. uh, And what they kind of do is say, rather than making this impossible, they make, oh, it's a little bit harder. So it's either, you know, on your knees, you can go through this small door. It's a rope going through the eye of a needle. and, And I don't think Jesus said that. Actually, it's a little bit confusing because if it's a small doorway and it's a rope, then that's a really easy thing to get through. You can get a rope through a doorway, no trouble. I mean, but Jesus doesn't say that. He says, it's impossible. For all intents and purposes, I think we might as well just take the camel as a camel and the eye of the needle as the hole in a needle because that actually works. It's impossible to put a camel through the eye of the needle unless you've got a really big blender. No. No. Camel smoothie, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't really matter what the imagery is, as long as we understand that actually he's saying it's impossible with man. To get into the kingdom of God is impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. And we know having wealth is not bad. He wasn't chiding the rich man for having riches. It's what, it's the status of, And the position that he gives is wealth. You see, in other teachings, Jesus actually said, if you've got wealth and you have a good relationship with wealth, you're going to get more wealth. Okay, He didn't have a problem with with wealth or riches. He had a problem with it taking the place of God. And there can be anything that's taking the place with God. In fact, you can be stinking poor and still have a poor relationship with money, you know. Would your life say God is good all the time? Or... Like many of us, would it be money is good all the time because of that relationship that you've got with it? We've got to lose our life in order to find it. And it's when we're living for the one, for God and others, that we find the best life. And finally, the last key to having the best life possible is think again. You need to let go first. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. What a promise. What an amazing promise. Jesus is promising not just a fantastic eternity, eternal life, but amazing rewards in this life. But there's an order to this. One thing comes before the other. We have to let Go first. I don't think this is always a literal leaving. He's not asking us to leave our our wives and our husbands. Uh, We just have to look across the whole of the Bible to know that's not appropriate. But I do think Jesus is saying these things can be held too tightly. Okay? Your relationship with your wife or your husband or your family can be actually not right uh, or take the place of your relationship with God. My wife and I have have really clung to this particular verse over the last 18 months as we've been making the journey from where we were to where we are now. When we felt God was asking us to move here to Ferndown, we were so excited to help start this Sunny Hill at the Barrington. Particularly my wife, though. She was leaving her parents who lived just up the road. She was leaving her sister who lived next door to us. We were leaving close friends of 20 plus years I left my job we left our home that we had our kids left their mates and the schools that they were in I'm not telling you this because I'm after sympathy because I'm not we're, we're in the right place and we're so excited. we're made up about this and I'm not telling you this to say to make out that we are kind of we've made it or that we're really holy we're just like you we're working out what it means to follow Jesus to deny ourselves to take up our cross daily sometimes we get it right often we get it wrong but one thing i do know our life is a living example of this promise this promise that jesus made two thousand years ago i can stand here and tell you my life is an example of this if you look at our life and you see god's blessing it's not coincidence i don't think it's by accident it's a fulfillment of these words now there are other things in my life and in our life that we need to let go of, that we need to put right. There's definitely things that my relationship with God needs to be better. But right now, my question is this. What's the one thing I need to deal with? Would you mind, Dom, just going to play? What's the one thing that you need to deal with today? Band, would you mind coming up to the stage? I'm going to pray in just a moment to ask God to reveal what is the one thing that he wants me to give up. To let go of today to ask him to reveal to me and then to help me release that one thing that's a barrier to my best life now and if any of you would like to pray that prayer with me as well for yourself then I would ask you let's stand now if you want to pray that to tell us what is that one thing that we need to let go of that one thing that would stop us living our best life that one thing, that if we, if we can just do what the rich man couldn't in our passage today, if we can do that one thing, we would see that best life come to pass for us. Our relationship with God would go up and be on, on the up, and we'd move that closer uh, to him. So let's ask God together for the strength to move forward with this let's close our eyes Lord God we want to live the best life possible we want to do it on your terms and we're sorry for the time when we've tried to do it on our own terms or on terms that the world says we should do it when we've grasped after money or image or power or anything else God Lord, we want to put you first. We want to acknowledge you as God. And we want to make decisions and we want to change our thinking and change our life to reflect that decision. God, would you reveal to us what what we need to change today? What is the one thing that we lack? Would you reveal to each of us? And also, God, in this moment as we commit to this, would you give us the strength to follow through? Would you give us the strength to do what the rich young ruler wasn't able to do? That when you call, we answer. That we're we're able to live that life where we can deny ourselves and we can take up our cross and follow you because we know that when we do, God, you come through. And you will call us into your kingdom. And you will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.